Hello listeners and fellow book lovers. Welcome to the Book Snug, a bi-weekly conversational podcast about books and the reading life. My name is Julia. And I'm Stephanie. And we're a mother and daughter who love reading and talking about books. The ones we adore and the ones we don't. We're delighted you're here, so grab your favorite hot drink or ice-cold beverage and settle in for another cozy, bookish chat. Hi, Julia. Hi, Mom. How are you on this sunny December morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Christmas is coming. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm definitely in the Christmas mood now. Yay, good. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) It is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Here in the book snug, but not just because it's the holiday season, Mm -hmm. but because it's the end of the year. And so we start thinking about what were our favorite books of the year? What were our worst books of the year? And then we do a lot of other superlatives. And that's what this show is going to be all about. Yay! Is our superlatives as they relate to books for the year. Before we actually get into that, <laughs> what are you drinking in your mug today, Julia? A peppermint chai today. Ooh, that does sound yeah. very holiday-like. Yeah. It's good. It's yummy. What I'm, are you drinking? I'm drinking Harney and Sons Christmas tea. Oh, yay! Yeah, so I'm definitely doing the Christmas thing yay. as well. So while we sip, <laughs> let's get back into what we're actually going to yes. talk about. Okay, great. <laughs> so we do a superlatives episode, and what where this came from was we were thinking about how in the United States, in mm-hmm. high school yearbooks, There are all these titles that students vote on for Mm -hmm. their classmates. I'm not explaining this very well. But for example, there is a superlative called most likely to succeed. Mm -hmm. And then the whole class body votes Mm -hmm. on who they think that person will be. Or most theatrical or most likely to bring home to mom or things like that. Yeah. As other examples. Yeah. Or most likely to be president yeah. or most likely to take over the world. Best I mean, style. Yes, all of it. it gets it gets a little bit ridiculous. Well, we're going to get a little bit ridiculous, too. My high school even had one for prettiest eyes, which was a little weird. Yeah, that is. That's yeah. weird. <clears throat> I didn't vote for that, but it was weird. So we've come up with our own superlatives as they relate to books. Mm-hmm. And we have determined what books we feel fit those mm-hmm. categories. Before we really dive into the meat of this chapter, I just want to say that we are going to be negative. There are some negative (laughs) superlatives here. And we have strong opinions about some of these negative superlatives. And we do. But remember that these are our own personal reading experiences. We are not making any statements about people who Mm -hmm. love the books that we don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though we are discussing the books in depth, that doesn't necessarily mean they're bad books. It just means they were bad books for us at that time and place in our lives. So keep that in mind. We all want to stay friends. And by the way, we are glad you're here with us today. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're returning listeners, we're so glad that you're back. So before I just keep rambling on and on, why don't we... (laughs) Why don't we just get into the books? Oh, I just thought about one other thing. We are not discussing our best books of the year. No, that comes later. Yeah, that's in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. In this chapter, we're just doing all the fun superlatives. Yes. Now that we've gotten all those explanations and disclaimers (laughs) out of the way, let's uh, dive in. Mm -hmm. We are going to work from negative to positive so that we end on a positive note. (laughs) So our first superlative is most likely to drop out. Mm -hmm. And these would be books that we just didn't finish. We started our DNFs. So Julia, what are your DNFs for the year? So this year, it's just so funny how the podcast has made me much more aware of my reading habits because last year I might have had maybe one DNF. This year I'm at seven DNFs. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say three of them are rereads. But uh, I'm just going to list the ones that I DNF'd. Some of them are going to come back up in the list. But I DNF'd The Binding by Bridget Collins, Verity by Colleen Hoover. That one's going to come back. Uh, the Company of the Courtesan by Sarah Dunnant, Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And then my rereads were Dream and Ta- 
Demon Trapper's Daughter. That's always a tongue twister for me by Jana Oliver. And then The Secret History by Donna Tartt, which is simply a DNF because I didn't finish it in time for the the podcast that we did with Paige. But you had read it before. Yes. Yeah. And then I was listening to the first Harry Potter uh, book on um, Audible, and I couldn't stand the version I was listening to. So I DNF'd that version. Right. But, Not because you didn't like the book. Right. It was yeah. just the way that the narrator was, was saying certain names. So my rereads, even though they fall into my DNF category, I don't count them as like true DNFs because I already knew the story. What are your DNFs, Mom? Uh, I'm the opposite of you this year. I only have two. Wow, DNFs. That's unusual. Very unusual for me. So I don't know if I was just being really picky mm-hmm. about what I was choosing to read. If I'm get if I know myself better as a reader and so I'm just not picking up books that aren't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Or or I don't know. I don't know why I only have two DNFs. The one I stopped reading, not because it was bad, but because it ended up not being what I thought it was going to be. And the other book, when I started reading it, I just felt like it was going to have too much trauma in it. Mm. And I just really wasn't interested. So the first book is Beginners by Tom Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. That was the book that I thought was going to be one thing and ended up mm-hmm. being another that I wasn't interested in reading. So I put that aside. And Wayward by Emily Hart. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Wayward at all, it is a gorgeous book. The cover is beautiful. Yeah, it, is. it has a blackbird on it and all of this flowers mm-hmm. and mushrooms and insects. It's really, really yeah. pretty. But I just... I don't know. I just was not feeling it when I picked mm-hmm. it up. And I don't think I ever will go back yeah. to it. Yeah. That's how I was with the binding. The cover is stunning. And it drew me in because of the story about books. Yeah. But at the same point of probably there was, it's too dark. There was too much like dark trauma stuff in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably not ever going to go back to it. Yeah. So those were my uh, books that are most likely mm-hmm. to drop out because they absolutely they dropped out. <laughs> Okay, moving up the ladder, what is your least popular book or worst book? My worst books are book talk favorites. Are they really? (laughs) Okay, what are these? Tell us, Julia. So the one uh, I did finish cover to cover, and that is The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. Okay. Uh, The premise of the story was very interesting, and that's what drew me in. But I think I've discovered I don't like dark academia stories, and that's what this is. Um, and none of the characters were likable. And it's really, really sad when I read the acknowledgments of the book. And I think the writing is better than the actual story. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened here. It also really frustrated me in this book that there's illustrations of the characters before each chapter. But the illustration doesn't match who's telling the chapter. So I never knew who was who. And okay. I was like, I don't I don't know. This is confusing me. Yeah. So what is the can you just do a brief plot? Mm-hmm synopsis like brief one or two sentences this it would actually i think make a really really cool tv show like one of those netflix shows yes the idea the atlas six is a group of potential magical candidates who are given the opportunity to study and then will perform a test to get into the illustrious alexandrian society which is like in a world where there's magic, it is the top of the line. I would almost compare it to Freemasons, but not Freemason kind okay. of idea of it's the secret society. And they then have all of the knowledge from the Library of Alexandria on to now. But they're told after these six candidates get in or or are offered the ability to join and they have this year of study that only five of them will actually make it in. So then there's that extra layer of, well, who's not going to make it in? Does somebody have to die? Um, so there's there's all of that in yeah. there, too, which I love the idea of the secret Alexandrian society from the library. Like, it's a really, really cool premise. I just did not think it was done well. Okay. My second book is Verity by Colleen Hoover. Okay. And I barely made it to chapter three. And I think that's all I need to say there. Yeah. <laughs> it was not, it was, wow. I think I talked about Dead Romantics last year, how I had DNF that as well. And mm-hmm. I would say that Verity is written much in the same way that that is. Oh, okay. Of more of how the characters are written, the first person inner monologues about things, things just feeling kind of thrown together, hap dash and conveniently or serendipitously like it just felt like 
not a story that I was enjoyable. It's also a domestic thriller, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And it involves children. And I didn't know that going in. I maybe should say that with this book, I was interested in this book, like the premise of it. I was interested in long before I knew who Colleen Hoover was right. long before she was popular, any of that. I was the same way. Yeah. yeah. And after Colleen Hoover got her hype, I saw this book at Target at a pretty good discount. And I really wrestled with myself as to whether I should get it and read it or not, because I was interested in it. Uh And I finally decided to pick it up and read it because I needed to allow myself to judge a book by the book, not by the author. Yeah. And this probably was a circumstance where my gut reaction was probably right. Oh, 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 I understand what you're saying. Don't get it. Like (laughs) trust, trust what people are saying, but (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's good that I allowed my like pushed myself to read yeah. something. So and uh, now you know. Now you know now for I sure. Know no Colleen Hoover ever on my bookshelf. Yeah, it's not for you. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to do that. Take the step. Mm-hmm. See what everybody is all worked up about, and then make your own decision. I, I should have borrowed it from somebody or bought it, like got it from the library. I'm very annoyed. I spent money on it though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my worst books of the year are kind of like at least one of them is kind of like that as well. Mm. My first uh, worst book is No Exit by Taylor Adams. I I purchased this book because I read it last winter and I was I wanted a wintry book that was kind of thrillerish mm-hmm. that would be a really quick read that I mm-hmm. couldn't put down. And people love this book. And this book was turned into a movie and they love the movie too. Oh, is this the one where they're like they're stuck in a gas station? Yes, they're stuck. It's oh. actually it's like a term a turnpike rest area yeah in the middle of a snowstorm involving a kid it's a it is a very quick read Mm -hmm. it's very intense but i started skimming because i just the whole situation seemed completely over the top and unbelievable to me which it's a it's a thriller okay so it's supposed to be be. but for whatever reason it really annoyed me in this Mm -hmm. plus there is a lot of graphic violence Mm. and that is not my jam which, so the movie looked interesting, but if you say that that's in the book, no, no I'm not sure I want to watch the movie because I yeah. don't always want to see that. It just, it was just hard. Yeah. So I, I actually finished this by skimming, which I do occasionally mm-hmm. if I really want to know the ending, but I'm not enjoying the reading experience. Mm-hmm. I probably skimmed about half this book, just like reading an occasional paragraph or <laughs> sentence. So that, that was a worse book for me. That was a two star. And then the other book I want to mention is a book that it could have been a very, well, it is a very disappointing mm-hmm. book, but it's, I didn't put it in the disappointing category. I put it in the worst book because the more I thought about it, the, the less I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. He is in the Catholic Church. I don't know, I don't know where he stands in the hierarchy, but he's a priest or something, sure, a brother. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And he's writing about the experience of getting past your middle-aged life and getting into your older years and how you're kind of free to investigate who you are beyond what job you do mm-hmm. and raising your family and meeting all of these like tick marks through your life mm-hmm. that show you're successful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like self-actualization, mm-hmm. but he really goes into detail. I, I loved that part of the book. Mm-hmm. But his theology is incredibly suspect. And the more I thought about it, the more it bothered me. So as much as I really liked the aspects of growing old that he discussed and the the hopefulness of it um, and how it just made me excited to experience this next part of my life, the other aspects of it as far as the spirituality and the true I mean, he he claims to be a follower of God, and yet a lot of his theology is very like it's new very, agey. Yes, Ooh. mushy, new agey. There's no like he doesn't really stand on any solid ground with it, and so I found that to be very disturbing. Well, and I have found too more and more <clears throat> recently as I've been trying to find Christian life books to read or religious materials yeah. to to read that theology is a major like I'm I'm finding it harder and harder to find books with solid theology. Yeah. And this is where I stand with Mm -hmm. these kinds of books. If you are going to call yourself a Christian, then be a Christian. Mm -hmm. If you are going to be 
a Muslim or an atheist Mm -hmm. or a Buddhist, then be that. Mm -hmm. Don't try to water down your beliefs to reach more people. Mm -hmm. Be what you are and Mm -hmm. be solid. (laughs) Book number two, really, really, uh, it was a huge disappointment, so much so that it got pushed to the worst book of the year. Yeah. And that's a whole, that's a conversation that we could keep going into. Yeah. It's a pretty regularly occurring conversation between Ben and I in terms of leaders that are speaking not good theology. Yeah. But whole other time, whole other conversation. (laughs) Okay. So we've done Mm -hmm. most likely to drop out, Mm -hmm. which were our DNFs, and we've Mm -hmm. done least popular, which were our worst books of Mm -hmm. the year. Now we're going to talk about books, which I think are the the most heartrending for me because they are the underachievers. They are the most disappointing Mm -hmm. books of the year. So these Mm -hmm. are books. Oh, sorry. My voice is going to be an issue. These are the books that we had expectations about going into. Mm -hmm. And those expectations were not met sometimes in a big way. Julia, what's, what is an underachiever that you want to tell us about? Or do you have many? I have a couple, but I just I like to talk about books, so it was kind of hard for me to pinpoint one. Listeners, you're going to find that we very rarely pick a single book for any of these categories. It's really hard to choose. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we have a podcast so we can talk this out. Decision fatigue (laughs) is real. It is. It's so real. (laughs) Well, I've definitely talked about this before here on the podcast, but Aaron Morgan Stern's books that I read this year. Where disappointment. And The Night Circus, like I've said before, was solely because I read it at a time in my life where I couldn't enjoy it. And now that first reading experience is, it's lost for me. And then when I read The Starless Sea, this is such a complicated conversation with this book because The Starless Sea is an incredible example of her literary power and how she tells a layered story. Like the beginning of the book is the end of the book, but you don't realize that until you get to the end incredible storytelling skills but it was not the story that i thought it was going to be and i felt like the end the end of the book lost the plot pretty heavily so it was it was disappointing for me and hard to continue to get into kind of in that same note too the book of cold cases by simone st james was a major disappointment for me because uh, having read her other books i know what she's capable of and i felt that this one just fell really flat in both the crime aspect of the story Mm -hmm. and then also the ghost story part of the story i felt like it was it was not her best work yeah and it was really disappointing because i was looking forward to this book all fall and all halloween season and it just felt really really flat yeah she has a new book coming out soon Mm -hmm. so maybe she'll redeem herself will you read more of her i would like to yeah And it might just be because so far Sundown Motel has been my favorite of hers. And I feel like that's perhaps an an unconscious standard I've set for the rest of her books. I'm sure. And and so now anything that doesn't quite meet that standard just feels like it's really flat. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple other books. Oh, Vatican Princess by Christopher Willis Gortner. Gortner? Gortney? English is not my strong suit today. I definitely said it somewhere in there. Gortner. This, I believe we talked about this in the reading Speed Bumps episode, but this book was disappointing to me because I've consumed quite a bit of material about Lucrezia Borgia, and I felt that this book just did a major disservice to her uh, in terms of who she probably was and what her life was probably like. And knowing that he is a prolific uh, uh, historical fiction author just made it a little bit more upsetting for me. And then... Uh, so I read Sammy Key's books, um, Sammy Key's and the Hotel Thief and Sammy Key's and the or the second one. I would have to look up the title. That was not prepared for that. Okay. Anyway, these were a reread. I read them. They were read to me in fifth grade. And this was a disappointment because I was searching for that nostalgia that I remember having and the, the certain way that it was read to me. Mm-hmm. Still really enjoyed the stories. It was that disappointment of that nostalgia feeling. Who wrote those Sammy Keys books? Oh, Wendelin Van Drannen. Okay. And then uh, The Midnight Library, which I mentioned as a DNF, this was a disappointment because I thought it was going to be something completely different. And then it turned out to be much more an examination of depression and suicide ideation than I was expecting. Yeah. And so that was a disappointment for me. And that's by Matt Head. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm killing it all over the place today. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what were your underachievers, Mama? 
I've talked about this book numerous times this year as a disappointment, but The Light Pirate by Lily Brooks Dalton. I loved her other book that I read, Good Morning Midnight. Mm. I thought that was an incredible book, beautifully written about kind of the end of the world. I enjoyed that so much. So I definitely went into The Light Pirate with very high hopes. I still enjoyed the the writing. Her mm-hmm. writing is lovely, especially the first half of the book was just really, really mm-hmm. good. But it, it took a weird turn, kind of got boring. Um, there was weird insta-love. And mm-hmm. then the ending was just so twee mm-hmm. for the story, for the actual mm-hmm. story. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't with it. It made me so mad. Yeah. (laughs) So that was disappointing. Mm -hmm. And then the other two books, well, all three of these books are authors I've read before and really loved. So then I read another book of Mm -hmm. theirs and they weren't as good. And then I was really disappointed. The second book is The Haunting of Maddie Claire by Simone Mm -hmm. St. James. So she's making another appearance in the disappointing category. And the reason I think that this book lands here is it's a much earlier book of hers you can tell that her skills have not developed quite as well her storytelling Mm -hmm. skills she's still really on point with the ghost story part but the other parts of the story and Mm -hmm. the plot especially the relationship between two of the main characters is just really kind of uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so that was a disappointment and then dreams lie beneath by rebecca ross Mm -hmm who wrote Divine Rivals, which I talked about on the show Mm -hmm. several Mm -hmm. months ago, how much I was surprised by um, how much I enjoyed that. And then this book is also an earlier book of hers. And her writing, her craft Mm -hmm. just is not up to par. Mm -hmm. And so I was extremely disappointed by the entire book. Mm. The plot, the character development, it just just wasn't there. So it was disappointing. So maybe this is just a lesson in like, if there's books, like if we like an author, that not every book is going to be their best work. Because it's just really interesting how a lot of, a lot of the books that we've picked are repeats for authors. Yes. And I do tend to do that. If I find an author and I really enjoy a a book that they wrote, I will go and search out other books. But I am learning that if I go into their back catalog Mm -hmm. that it is going to be touch and go whether or not their writing is going to be up to par or the things that they wrote might have been different Mm -hmm. than what they're writing now yeah there is an author that i have read many of her books not all of them because she's very prolific her name is alice hoffman yeah and she is an author i can absolutely love a book and then the next book i can hate Mm. like viscerally hate because of the topic or the way she handles it Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm open to reading authors and i know sometimes it's going to be a good experience Mm -hmm. and sometimes it isn't but it doesn't it doesn't keep it from not being disappointing yeah so i did have some very disappointing experiences with authors i have read before and loved speaking of alice hoffman have you read her practical magic i've read her first book the first, the first one. one. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Okay. But I like Sarah Addison Allen's book that's like that better okay. called Garden Spells. Okay. Yeah. Because I purchased Practical Magic this year right at the end of fall. And it's I'm, good. Yeah. I'm excited to read it. And I know that it's a favorite of people. You will enjoy it because okay. it's it's soft magic. Okay. Um, you'll like the ladies. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's, okay. it's a good. It's an absolutely wonderful story okay, good because i had a moment of panic of like oh my gosh am i gonna no like no this no story? no i like that okay. i have never read there are a whole series a whole of series. books yeah, yeah, yeah. but i've only ever read the one because you know we're i'm oh, yeah. crap with series well and i'm often with series i'm like this first one is so wonderful i don't want to taint it by reading yeah. anything else and have it not be good yeah and this she wrote practical magic then she went back and started writing prequels to oh. get you up to that story which is actually an interesting way to do that. it is yeah Okay, Julia, we're moving on. Yes, we are. We're going to talk about one more difficult category, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to move into the happy superlatives. So this superlative is most likely to break your heart. Mm. So we are going to be talking about books that made us cry. Mm. And listeners, neither Julia or I really enjoy crying while we're reading. We purposely don't pick up books that make us sad. Mm -hmm. So when we cry, it's usually because we're caught off guard. Yeah. 
Now, I just said all that, and my book I knew was going to make me cry. So there's, yeah. (laughs) I knew going into one of these that I knew right off the bat that I should expect to get tissues. Yeah. Well, tell us about your crying books. So I should start off by saying that I have found that I don't read a ton of literary non or um, uh, literary fiction. Okay. Um, specific like real world people things. I tend not to read because I want that escapism. Mm-hmm. But The Memory Keeper's Daughter by Kim Edwards, I read this year. I read that years ago. Yeah. Stunning story. Yeah. But because this is the realm that I work in. So just the story is about twins that are born and the and the the girl it's a fraternal sweat and the girl is born with down syndrome and, and it's the 1960s 1950s yes, 1960s i think and the father who delivers the babies makes the split second decision to pass the 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 young daughter off to the nurse to an institution and the nurse realizes that she can't do that and the mother never knows no yes. the mother is told that the baby died yes this was a hard book for me to read because this is the population of people that I work with. And this is not an unfamiliar story in a lot of these people's lives. And then after the book was finished and I was reading the author's notes on how she came to the story, she said that she had met somebody at church with this experience where when he was in his late fifties, he learned that he had a brother living in an institution. And that just made me very weepy because I can't imagine how many people have lived their entire lives only to learn that they had a sibling in the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. So it's a very and what hard... their life must have been like right. in the institution. Right. Yeah. So it's a very hard story. There's a lot with grief and how lies affect families and generations and, and the trauma and a stunning story, but definitely got my emotions pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I want to talk about is The Secret History of Witches by Louisa Morgan. And I've talked about this one before, but this made me a little weepy. I've found as I've gotten older that I'm very sensitive to stories about mothers and daughters and good and yeah. healthy relationships in that regard or not healthy relationships. And the generational stories of women, I'm finding that I'm now very, very interested in. And this book, because it looks, it really examines that. Um, there were specific points in the book where I just was a little, a little teary eyed. So those are definitely the two that, that, that made me cry this year. <laughs> But I didn't. I did not expect that from Secret History of Witches. I went into Memory Keeper's Daughter knowing that, thinking it was going to yeah. upset you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I only have one book that I could think of where I pretty much cried every time mm. I listened to mm. it. I listened to this on audio. It is called "With the End in Mind" by oh, Catherine Mannix. We talked about this a couple of times. This is a book. It's nonfiction written by a doctor. Mm-hmm whose specialty is palliative care Mm. and helping people with the end stages of their life. So she dealt a lot with people who had cancer, Mm -hmm. but also people who had other issues Mm -hmm. that would eventually end their life. And the whole book really is focusing on that journey of dying and how physically it happens and the ways people deal with the knowledge that their death Mm -hmm. is imminent. And the stories, she, she, she handles the topic with such compassion and care. Mm-hmm. And she presents her patients with so much dignity. Mm-hmm. But the stories are heartbreaking. She talks a lot about young people who are dying. Mm-hmm. And I just, every time she did an anecdote, I mm-hmm. ended up tearing up. And so, so much was, like I said, very hopeful, but it is inherently a sad book. So yeah. I spent a lot of time wiping tears away. Yeah. But I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Highly recommend this book. No, knowing that you're going to go into it pretty much yeah. being a water fountain of tears. Well, and I, I took a philosophy class on death and dying in college, and we looked at it more from the cultural and philosophical side of dying and death and the afterlife. But that that class has given me a very unique perspective, I think, on the nature of getting of of both your own um mortality, that's mm-hmm. the word I want, but then also how to process death in your own self and culturally. Mm-hmm. I still think that that book would wreck me and it would yeah, but well, it's almost the same. Uh, Caitlin Dowdy's book, From Here to Eternity, I think yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is 
a fabulous book anyway, but it, it, it I think it these books together present the idea of how death may or may not be talked about well or healthily in our Western culture. It's not. I mean, that's Catherine Mannix starts out with that, that we can't even use just regular terms like death and Mm -hmm. dying. We have to use all these euphemisms Mm -hmm. because people can't handle it. Mm -hmm. People are scared to death of it, that we actually live our lives thinking that death is not actually Mm -hmm. going to happen to Mm -hmm. us or to our loved ones when it is the one thing that we can count on. It's guaranteed. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, it was a good book. I, I am very, very glad I read it. It was just emotionally exhausting. Yeah. I I believe it. From that very sad note, we are going to move (laughs) on to some happier things. (laughs) It's time for catharsis. Yes. So from most likely to break your heart, we are moving to best dressed books of the year. Mm -hmm. These are the books that have our favorite covers, most Mm -hmm. beautiful, or just there's something about the cover that really, really Mm -hmm. draws us in. Mm -hmm. What are your best dressed books, Julia? So Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies has to be up there. Yep, that's on my list too. So we'll just throw that in with yours. And that's the cover that you could look at and see something new every single time you look at it. It's So I, in my book book journal, I sketch out my covers. I don't print them out. And for that cover, I was like, how the heck am I going to do this? Because it's a black cover with all the pretty colors on it. Just make squiggly lines around (laughs) it. I made it gray and colored it. (laughs) Uh, but yes that one and then fangs by sarah anderson i think is stunning yes red and black oh my gosh yeah love it also by the way i did post this on social media but if you've never read fangs it it should be up there with garlic and the vampire for your halloween cute books it's adorable it's adorable relationship material and the cartoons are cute yes oh my goodness yeah i love that book so there's that. And then I just thought of this. So I'm definitely going to butcher who the publisher is. But when I was at Barnes and Noble recently doing some Christmas shopping, I happened to just totally out of the blue find the most stunning cover of Emma that I've ever seen in my whole life. And 100% impulse purchased it because I couldn't not put it down once I had it. It's an orange cover and it has pretty pale flowers on it. I want to say it's like an Ultima publisher, like Ah, I'll post it on social media. Okay. But the most stunning cover of a Jane Austen story that I have in my entire collection. Okay. So I need to throw that out there because I love looking at it and could stare at it forever. I need to see that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I had Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett on mm-hmm. my list. Another reason I like that, it is it's a hardback book, but it doesn't come with a slip cover. Yeah or a dust jacket. Mm-hmm. It is just a straight hardcover. The printing is right mm-hmm. on the cover. I love that. Yeah. I love the black and the white and the, it's red. Is there red on there? I think. Some red, some purple, some yeah. green. I just love it. And her new book is coming out and soon. It's green. It's green. So yes, it's green. It's the same style, but the background yes. is green. So excited. I also have Troy by Stephen Fry, mm. the hardback book. I love these covers as well because they're very graphic mm-hmm. um, and I definitely like graphic style art. So I put that on here mm-hmm. and then I also put The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. Mm. This book was good. I enjoyed it. It was kind of, kind of retelling of Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein okay. at the the villa that they stayed in that overlooked the lake in Switzerland, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, Lake Geneva, I think yes. it was. Yeah. So this was kind of a mashup of that and some other things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the cover has this aqua background with lemons all over mm-hmm. it. And it looks like an old villa wall because it has this crack with mm-hmm. some of the plaster coming out. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to slip in a book that I did not read, but I did buy this year. It's also a beautiful edition mm. of a Jane Austen novel. It's Persuasion. Mm. And it is by Harper Muse Classics. And it's part of their painted editions. Mm. So it's an oil painting of them in Lyme. Mm. You have this English countryside and the ocean. Mm-hmm. 
the scene wraps the whole way around the front oh. back cover. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I want to get the whole collection. Yeah. They have they have Jane Eyre, mm-hmm. they have Frankenstein, The Great Gatsby, like there's uh-huh, a whole list whole, of books. Yeah. And then they have some children's books too in mm-hmm. that line. But mm-hmm. just beautiful artwork. Yeah, I have found a very dangerous rabbit hole of pretty book covers, and I should never have discovered it, because Target recently was selling the most beautiful versions of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. and I have since purchased both totally impulsively, because I couldn't bear the idea of it getting out, like not seeing it ever again. Right, and not owning it. <laughs> right, this is a very dangerous, slippery slope I've encountered, and I don't know how I'm going to get saved from it. It just might be my fate now. Yeah. yeah. Because how can you not want to surround yourself with pretty copies of books? Like, I, I just... I do that for favorite books that I really, really love. I do purchase many editions. Yeah. I don't feel bad about it either. (laughs) Part of me feels like I should. And the other part of me is like, absolutely. Don't you feel bad about it? There are so many publishers that do beautiful editions like Chiltern. They do gorgeous, gorgeous hardcover editions of books that have these beautiful Mm. embossed flowers on Mm -hmm. them or design. Just, yeah. 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 It's not hard to find pretty, no. pretty editions. And I, should, I shouldn't have learned how to look for them. It's just bad. No. Well, I even said, did I say this when we were talking about Heart of Darkness in our last episode? I loved my edition by Alma Publishers, where they do their classic evergreens. Mm. And all of their covers are also very mm-hmm. graphic, very, very cool. Mm. And I purchased uh, several of those this year. Gone with the Wind. Mm. I loved the cover of Gone with the Wind. So, yeah, you just need to dig around a little bit. And I'm sure you can find some publishers that are doing some cool things with book covers. Yeah, but it's not good for my no book buying ban. No, I know. I know. Oh, well. (sighs) Temper tantrum. What's the point of having money if you don't spend it? (laughs) Because I'm saving to buy a house. (laughs) That's why it's a problem. (laughs) All right. Moving on from best dressed, we're going to talk about best personality. This category is for favorite characters Mm -hmm. coming from the books that we've read this year. Do you have any favorite characters? I do. And I I do have to apologize right up front. The character that I'm going to talk about first, I've been having phone difficulties and technology issues for the past couple weeks. So I'm not sure that this name is correct, but we will make sure that it's right in our show notes. Okay. All of my technology will be lucky, lucky if it survives the day. I will say that. But Book of Night, which I read earlier this year, and I know I've talked about this this book, I think the main character is Charlie. She was just so fun to read, uh, so spunky. Um, it reminded me a lot of a coworker, like a favorite coworker that I'd had. So I loved reading the book for multiple reasons, but because of but because of her. Sammy Keys herself from the Sammy Keys books that I talked about earlier, even though it was a disappointment because I didn't get that that initial the the nostalgia kick. Yeah. Um, she is still a really spunky 13-year-old or 11-year-old to be hanging out with while she solves mysteries. Mm-hmm. Emily Wilde. Um, oh, yeah. Because she just was so oblivious <laughs> to everything. <laughs> and there were definitely times when I was listening to this that I just laughed out loud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another book that made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then Ella Afrel from Ella Enchanted I wanted to put on there, too, because... Ella, this this the Ella Enchanted book is different than the Ella Enchanted movie. Yes, and though their personalities are kind of the same, I really like Ella in the book because she is just quirky. Yeah, she is and determined. Yeah, yeah, and smart. She's very smart. Yeah, she was another one where I laughed out loud while I was reading it. Yeah, so those are my my favorite characters for the year. Well, I'm also going to draw from Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies because I put Wendell Bambleby down as one of my favorite characters of the year. I just, I loved how suave he was, how how he could work a room and everybody loved him, how much you could tell that he liked Emily mm-hmm. and she was... Oblivious. Yeah. Um, the fact that he liked his house tidy mm-hmm. and he was a good uh, tailor and... He, I, he was just a good guy. I just liked him. He was fun. Yeah. And then I have Helen Hamp, who wrote 84 Charing Cross Road. Mm. This is a nonfiction book about a relationship between a writer mm. 
and a bookseller. The writer lives in New York City and the bookseller lives in England. And this is, I think, in the 1960s, late 1950s, maybe. But Helen Hamp is herself in this book and you're reading her letters and she has such a sparkling personality, Mm. a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And she is so kind and yet like doesn't want any recognition for the kindness. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe Mm -hmm. it. She's not gruff, but just like she brushes it off Mm. like it's nothing. I I just really, really appreciated her. Mm. And then I have Cormoran Strike and Robin Ellicott who are the two main characters in J.K. Rowling's Cormoran Strike books. Mm. She writes under the name of Robert Galbraith. Um, I've been following these two characters from the very beginning. I love their relationship and Mm. their their interplay and dynamic. And I just, I read two of her, two of the books Mm -hmm. this year, almost back to back. And if you're familiar with this series, the books are almost a thousand pages long. So... I spend a lot of time with these characters and I just really, mm-hmm. really love them. They are detectives mm-hmm. and they work together. They're partners, but there's still, there's like a little something underneath mm-hmm. too. hasn't happened yet, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping someday they, mm-hmm. they, they discover that they really do like each other. <laughs> I read David Copperfield this year and really okay. enjoyed it. But my favorite character was aunt Betsy Trotwood. She was just a little bit crazy, but <laughs> She had such a good heart and yeah. she loved David Copperfield so much, but mm. she was funny mm-hmm. and I, and she, she spoke the truth and she was so wise and it mm. came out of nowhere half the time. Cause like I said, she was just a little bit bananas. Yeah. So I loved her. And then my reading experience of the marriage portrait mm. just really let me fall in love with Lucrezia di Medici. Mm-hmm. I just think she was such an interesting character for such a young girl mm-hmm. and the things that she was required to do, the things that she wanted to do and the pull between those two yeah. and just how how resourceful and how, uh, what's the word I want? She just was really gonna do mm-hmm. what she needed to yeah. to survive and I... I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. That book for me is going to fall on the next episode. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, so you're giving us a preview. Well, hint, hint, hint. I mean, you started the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, I have comments on that coming later. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be revisiting uh, the marriage portrait. Yes. It sounds like at some yes, point. Yes, we will. <clears throat> Any other favorite characters, Julia, or can we move on to our next superlative? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. Next superlative is class clown. Mm-hmm. So you can guess this this category covers books that made us laugh. Mm-hmm. And I already we jumped the gun a little bit here. We did. Okay. We did. So go ahead, Julia. What are what are the books that made you laugh? Uh so I am just gonna say this. I know I talked about it in the last episode, but Heart of Darkness made me giggle a couple of times because of the the cynicism or the Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. Like I was <laughs> giggling listening to this very dark story yeah not expecting that at all yeah um and then we did talk about emily wilde yes um i didn't even have that on my list but when you said that i was like oh my gosh yes i laughed in that book there were many times because i will put on like if ben is watching tv i will put on headphones and listen to books or music while i'm doing the dishes at night or you know whatever i'm doing and there were a couple of nights where i was washing dishes in the kitchen and just laughed out loud and he looked at me and turned the tv up a little bit louder <laughs> um and then ella enchanted by gail carson levine i yes. talked about uh and that one was some really good like hearty laughs too so the 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 last book that made me laugh was half a soul by olivia adwater atwater yes yeah and this was one where actually physically reading the story, I laughed out loud. Yeah. Because There's a scene in the book where she gets a drink spilled on her dress and just walks out to the garden, strips her dress down and is washing it in the fountain in the middle of a Regency party. <laughs> I just remember just like laughing. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Such a funny, endearing story. But def- yeah fits into this category very definitely well. had giggles yeah yeah well i second everything that you okay. said um definitely a, a, the encyclopedia of fairies mm-hmm. 
and uh, Half a Soul, which is also a fairy story. It's about a girl who has half her soul stolen by a fairy. And because of that, she really has no emotional. Right. The fairy has the emotional side. She has the logical side. Yeah, logical side. So a lot of times she does things because... Because she has no emotional right, awareness it's and it's awkward. Yeah. 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 So when her dress gets dirty, logically, she has to clean her dress. So she's just, but thinking. there's no embarrassment because she doesn't feel that. Right. There's no acknowledgement <laughs> that she's in her underwear in the middle of a party. Like, there. And her aunt just absolutely cannot no. tolerate it at all. She has no patience <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. On top of those books, I'm going to bring two romances. These are open door romances, and I ended up giving them about three stars. Mm. But man, did they make me laugh. The first one is uh, The Love Wager by Lynn Painter. Just very, very funny episodes. But the even funnier one for me was The Layover by Lacey Walden. Mm. Just it starts out funny and just stays Mm -hmm. that way. The reason I gave it three stars is... Romances just for some reason always land in the middle for me. Most romances, they are open door. And a lot of times I just find that weird. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So anyway, three stars, but very funny. Mm -hmm. And then Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett is hilarious. Mm -hmm. She takes very difficult topics like brain cancer and opioid addiction mm. and kidnapping oh my gosh. but there it's there's a hopeful tone mm-hmm. to this book and there is a ton of hilarity mm. i just i laughed so so many times yeah it's like a tragic comedy mm-hmm. very 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 good i shared it on the show earlier mm-hmm. um and it will probably make another appearance here in the next episode is that but, one with the octopus no this is the one with the the dad has brain cancer oh, and he lost wow. his job because he was seeing cats in the classroom yeah, so and he blamed a the, student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He forgets to get dressed and he rides his motorcycle with no clothes Good on. <laughs> his daughter, when she was born, had the gift of healing, but as she yeah. grew older, it kind of went away. Mm-hmm. And she has come home because her whole family and the whole town thinks she's going to be a physician and she never went to med school oh no so she comes home that's all a big deal Mm -hmm. her parents have broken up because her dad had an affair her best friend is missing they think that she died from an opium over i mean an opioid overdose but the dad is convinced that something has happened to her and he will not let it rest plus he sees things so he's pretty sure he has Mm -hmm. a friend who's a ghost that has a pet bot like it just it just goes on and on and on the book is narrated Mm -hmm. by a very interesting group of people like Mm -hmm. it's just so much fun Mm -hmm. i loved it it sounds so weird but i can't recommend it enough okay okay very funny Mm -hmm. laugh out loud Mm -hmm. okay i don't generally pick up books that i think are going to make me laugh either either. but i had a lot this year that i had some really good chuckles yeah and they're always like I don't I, I don't gravitate towards books that are going to make me laugh. Like I'm not like oh hey this has a very funny premise let me read it. But whenever I do get a book that makes me laugh, oh my gosh, I wonder why I don't do it more often because it just it just makes it more fun. Right, right. But I I love the unexpected yeah. laughter. Yeah. If I picked up a book thinking it was supposed to be funny, I would probably most likely be disappointed because it wouldn't hit right. the funny level that I wanted. Right. Yeah. Okay, we're in our last category. We're going to wrap this chapter up with The Overachiever. These are the books that were the most surprising in a very positive Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So these are books that we picked up because we thought we were going to enjoy. And then they were way, 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 way better than we expected. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait to hear your overachievers, Julia. What are they? So there's one on here that I put. uh, It's... It's one that I didn't rank high, but I continue to think about it because of how it was written. That's, yeah, that's usually a good indicator. Yeah. Uh, meaning like I didn't rate it highly. Right. When I read it. Yes. But it is Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch by Rivka Galchin. Okay. And this book went the same way as like, um, maybe I should say that differently. It is styled after... Um, Maggie O'Farrell's inspiration for the marriage portrait of looking at a woman who a little bit is known 
and we know the outcome, but we don't know much about the life of this woman. So she filled in all the particulars. Okay. This is in Holland, I believe, in the 1600 something or other when the witch, the witch craze was going on. And there's a predominant astronomer at the time, and I forget his name, but his mother is convicted of witchcraft. And it's this book is the story of leading up to that, the trial, what happens afterwards. But it's told through, it's like the the writing account. So the writing is like the diction that's being done to whoever's writing it down. So you get the woman's voice, you get the neighbor's stories, you get the transcripts from the trials. Like it's a very oh, that's interesting, cool yeah. how it's set up. Yeah, yeah the structure is very interesting. Right, very a very interesting story, um, and it's not ever anything that I would have you know like duh, I would never have thought about this. But it also really examines at the time the nature of the women who were accused and what who they probably were. Like for example, the woman in this story is just a hardworking farm farmer wife who knows all the tricks of healing things through herbs and whatever like how that that knowledge would have been passed down and how that can very quickly be turned into witchcraft but then also looking at the motivations behind the accused and like it was a very interesting story at the time i only rated this three stars but it's still one that i continue to come back to and i'm like do i want to get rid of this book or not like so it's sounds like you might want to keep it yeah it's surprising me how much it still sticks in my head and then i also have devil in the white city by eric larson yes uh which i've definitely talked about a number number of times and this was just very surprising to me because i don't do literary nonfiction. yeah and i enjoyed the heck out of this story yeah enjoyed every part of it i was anticipating it to be very very dry and it wasn't Mm -hmm. fabulous way to start off my reading year and then I have Other Birds by Sarah Addison Allen and Emily Wilde, which we've talked about already. Um, but these were just surprising to me because you recommended them to me. Yes. And whether it's you or anybody else, whenever anybody recommends me a story, I automatically am like, oh my gosh, there's an expectation here that I'm going to like it. <laughs> what if I don't? Or yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm surprised that I liked these stories as much as I actually did based on the recommendation. Mm-hmm. So those were my my overachievers. Yeah. Well, I I also have Other Birds by Sarah Addison Allen. I've read her before. I always enjoy her stories. But for some reason, I don't know if it has to do with the time I read it or what kind of mood I was in or what was going on in my life at the time. But I just especially enjoyed this one. Yeah, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the storyline. It could be that it was a, an island off the coast of the Carolinas yeah. and that's meaningful to me. Right. Yeah. So that was good. That was mm-hmm. just really good. A little bit of a ghost story. There's yeah. always a little bit of uh, magical magic. realism yeah. yeah, in there. So just delightful, a delightful right. read. And I will say, <clears> and I totally, the original script that I had that didn't save, I did have Zoe, the main character in Other Birds, and one of my favorite characters, and yeah. forgot about that. But yeah. yes, she fell up there with one of my favorites. Yes. Um, I also picked The Running Grave by Robert Galbraith, who is a.k.a. J.K. Rowling. (laughs) This is the latest installment in the Cormoran Strike series, and it was about a cult. Mm. And Robin goes undercover for four months in this cult, and it was so intense Mm. and stressful. And I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the outcome of Mm -hmm. the story and the way that their relationship progressed through Mm -hmm. this. So it was just extra fun to read. I've enjoyed all the books, but this one in particular, I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So it made the most surprising list because I was surprised at the pleasure I got from it. Mm -hmm. Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. I have talked about on, Mm -hmm. I think in one of our quarterly reviews, Mm -hmm. how much I really enjoyed this book. It's a young adult book. So it really shouldn't work for me because they tend not to. This had such a strong historical fiction Mm -hmm. aspect. I liked the writing. I liked the two main characters who were journalists who were Mm -hmm. competing for the same position in a newspaper. I like the whole idea of it feeling like England during World War One, World War Two, but there were gods who were fighting. Mm-hmm. That was the war. It wasn't at countries, it was mm-hmm. gods. And it was just it was a good story. Yeah. It 
tanked a little bit at the end for me, but not enough. I probably will read the second book. Okay. I think it's a duology. I hope it's a duology. I don't do well with series and I don't mind a second book, but I don't want to keep going. (laughs) The only series I do well with are murder mystery series. And those aren't like... Con- there's no contingency to them. Like you can read one and right. then the seventh one. And then I mean, seven, there's like usually a- like an overarching theme. Usually sure. it's a relationship that keeps everything yeah. going. But even those you can dip in and out of right. and not really, the relationship is just what right. it is. It's like the Sammy Key stuff you can kind yeah. of pick and choose. Or like the exactly. Hercule Perot. Per- per- Poirot. Yeah, that's Poirot. Was never going to come out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what else was I going to say there? Oh yeah, I also realized that I have that book, uh, Divine Rivals, on my TBR. Yeah. And didn't even click that that's the one that you've been talking about until literally yes. right now. Yeah. I do also like the cover of that yeah, book. Yeah, it's a very, very much. cover. Yeah. And then I have, let's see, I talked about fiction. I have a couple of nonfiction books. One I just recently read and caught me totally off guard. I was just looking for a Christmas related book that was short that I could read while I was taking walks and Audible was having a big sale and I picked Hidden Christmas by Timothy Keller. And it started out and it wasn't really anything new. I wasn't learning anything new. And then all of a sudden, he really hit hard Mm. with what it means to be a follower of Christ. Mm. And he related it back to the faith of Mary and the faith of Joseph Mm -hmm. and the faith of the shepherds. Mm And it was just really, really, really good. Three hours of very, Mm -hmm. very, very good stuff that I'm still thinking about. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I have 84 Charing Cross Road, which I mentioned earlier when I talked about Helen Hant as one of my favorite characters. But this book is also very short. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking skinny, skinny, skinny. It's just Mm -hmm. a book of letters between a bookseller and a reader. Mm -hmm. Um, New York City is the reader and the bookseller is England. Mm. You can go to 84 Charing Cross Road. Mm. By the way, it's a real place because this is a real book. Mm -hmm. And just the relationship that develops, plus all the history you get from that time period, what's happening in England. They still were suffering from rations Mm. and shortages at the end of the 1950s and early 60s from World War II. Mm. And just. It's just a wonderful, wonderful book. This one might make my best of oh, the wow. year. I haven't decided yeah. yet, but I was just shocked at how much I love mm-hmm. this book. And that's mm-hmm. 84 Charing Cross Road by Helen Hamp. Wow. Yeah. We covered a lot of books. <laughs> we did. We did. And as I was sitting here thinking about how I wanted to tie up this conversation, because we covered a lot of ground. Because of our shared, how many books we shared this year, I was just reminded, I think I said in our very, very first episode that we share books like some mothers and daughters share clothing. And this proves it exactly. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, I think, proves the point why we have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I honestly, like, I know this is our show and we can do whatever we want with it. But this is one of my favorite, favorite episodes, taking these fun superlatives and applying it to books. Yes, I enjoy it very much. That's why I said it's the most wonderful time of the year. I also like doing our best of, although I'm going to have a hard time picking this year. Well, and our, listen, our best dress superlative, even though it's just about the front cover, the punniness of it just (laughs) makes me giggle every single time, (laughs) every single time. Wow, friends, if you've made it through this, not sporadic, but kind of all over the place conversation of our books, thank you for hanging out and listening to us just ramble about our reading over the past year. We would love to know if any of the books that we've mentioned you've read this year, if you've read any of the three Peas in a Pod books with us this year. Yeah. That would be fun, too. That would be fun to know. Yeah. Or if any of the books that we talked about in our negative superlatives... We're on your positive superlatives. Yeah, we'd like to know that too and why. Yeah. Yeah. Or if any of our hot takes were a little too hot for you. (laughs) I don't think we got too harsh. Maybe one. I've gone a little further with Verity, but I'm in a good mood. You behaved. You behaved yourself. I'm in a good mood. I'm drinking my peppermint chai. It's the week before Christmas. You have your hat on. I know. (laughs) With the pom-pom on top. Listen, it's a stress reliever. I just sit doing this. Next time on our next episode, we're going to be talking about, like we've said, our best books of the year. Yes. And this is also another really fun episode because we just get to talk about all the fun points, um, all the fun highlights in our reading journey. And I think we're also going to have a lot of shared books there as well. Yeah. And we will go in a little bit more depth as far as plot. 
and why, why we like the book so much. Yes. As always, friends, if you are feeling particularly like you like us, we ask that you rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. That just boosts us a little bit so people can see us a little bit more mm-hmm. or even share us with your friends. Share on your social media, text your people. Yeah, your reader friends. Yeah. 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 We, I know we say this all the time, but we would love to have a, just a really fun community of people that we can talk bookish with. Yeah. And we are still working on an online place for us all to kind of hang out and gather instead of Instagram or Facebook. That's right. still in the works. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, technology is not our friends. <laughs> the semester is over for me now. I'm done grading. Mm-hmm. Most of my grades are entered. So I have a couple of weeks off. I can really yeah. focus in on that. Yes, but it is coming. It is coming. Yes. I know we said it in our one year episode, but it is coming. We promise. Yes. For those of you who have rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Thank you so much for your kind ratings and reviews. We appreciate it. And it tickles us to death. Yes. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> Every time we get a new a new rating, we just have a whole like moment. <laughs> Until our next episode, friends, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Yes. A very happy holiday, safe holidays. Yes. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, we wish you a very quiet, peaceful, restful end of the year. Yes. Thank you for spending part of your day with us today. Please join us again here in the book snug for the next chapter. Bye friends. We'd love for you to continue today's conversation with us at the book snug underscore podcast on Instagram and at the book snug podcast on Facebook. All of our episodes can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as at our website, the book snug podcast.budsprout.com where show notes for every episode can be found. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thebooksnugpodcast at gmail.com. As C.S. Lewis, one of our favorite authors, so famously said, you can never have a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me, and we wholeheartedly agree. Agree.